Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Hey, listen up. See the screen? Take your Bibles, please. Turn to James chapter 4. We're not always good at paying attention. No, um, sometimes women are better at paying attention than men, or so I've heard. Uh, but we're, we all struggle with it sometimes. And my wife tells younger women that if they want to make sure their husband's paying attention when they're talking with him, to walk up and put her hand on his arm. I have no idea how she learned that. But uh, in Oana, we have what's called a five-count rule. One of the leaders starts saying, one, two, three, four, five. And everybody, all the other leaders hold their hands up. And by the time they get to five, everybody's supposed to be quiet and listening. The amazing thing is it works most of the time. Um, In the military... We were called to attention. They'd say, ten shot, and you'd hear all these heels clicking together because our boots or our shoes had hard leather, and they'd smack together, and you'd be at attention, and then you'd focus in. In a business meeting, they might say, hey, listen up. Listen here. Um, In sports, coaches would blow out a whistle, and they'd blast on it like this. Made you flinch, didn't I? So uh, we, we have ways of getting people's attention. Well, when you're young and in trouble, how did you know you were in trouble? When your mom called your name, how did you know you were in trouble? First name, middle name, last name. In fact, somebody said, if you want to know if that name really works for your kids, uh, you open the back door and you yell it at the top of your lungs. If it still works, then it's a good name that you pick for your kid. Uh, you know, first name, middle name, last name, the whole thing. Then you knew you were really in trouble. Uh, on your smartphones, you get a buzz or a signal or a tone when you receive a, a text or a call or an email, and you have that. And so James is being very emphatic. He's not just saying, may I have your attention, please? He's saying, you better listen to this. So in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, he says, come now. In the King James, it says, go to now. It's the same emphatic statement. He's calling their attention. He's saying, come pay attention to this. Or he's saying, pay attention here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, and buy and sell and make a profit. Where, sorry, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Read verse 17 with me, please. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, 
To him it is sin. Heavenly Father, as we look in your word today, we pray that we would listen not only to the words that the Holy Spirit inspired James to write, but that we would also listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in our own hearts. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks into each heart in a slightly different way as we respond to the message from your word. We need to listen not just to the words of the preacher or the words of Scripture, but we need to listen to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And so, Father, we pray that we would be attentive to that. We pray that you would arrest our attention and help us to focus and learn. And we thank you for your amazing love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So what James is saying is to pay attention. This is important. Don't mess this up. So the first thing that we see here is that you do not know what will happen tomorrow. There is um, notes. There are notes in the bulletin, and there's blanks for them. And I tried to make the text that would go in those blanks a little different if you want to use it and fill that in. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. A month ago, my sister's life was fairly normal. For a school teacher up in the White Mountains, fairly normal. My brother-in-law had recently retired. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. On earth, your future is uncertain. Praise the Lord in heaven, it's not. We knew exactly where Dan went when he exhaled his last breath. Before my sister even knew her husband was gone, the Lord was already welcoming him home. We know that. The scriptures teach that. We have confidence in God's word because of that. We have confidence in that because of God's word. So on earth, your future is uncertain. In heaven, it's good. How many of you remember the Y2K scare? Yeah, uh, some of the younger people here um, they don't have any idea what we're talking about with Y2K. What was that? Well, when the year changed from 1999 to the year 2000, in computer digits, uh, they had to simplify things. Old computers didn't have as much storage space as now. In fact, Bill Gates once said uh, that uh, 250K is good enough for anybody, and now he writes programs that require terabytes of memory. Uh, but they just didn't have the, the memory capacity in the computer. So you were limited to an eight-digit file name. And then the dates had to just be six digits. It would be year, month, day, two for each. And that was the max they could do. So they weren't, weren't sure when it went from 1999, December 31st, so it would be 99-12-31, and it was switched over to 00 uh, one, one, the computer might think it was 1900. They didn't know. And there were all these fear mongers out there telling all these terrible things. And Kathy and I had a friend who told people to stockpile water, canned goods, toilet paper, and ammunition. Because once you got the goods, people will be coming for you to get it from you. And there were, they thought every computer in the world was going to shut down. Uh, it would collapse the infrastructures of utilities and banks and airports and cities. 
and nuclear reactors, and there would be meltdowns and all kinds of things taking place. And then the clock ticked up, and all around the world, people are waiting to see, and it tick, 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 it just kept going. And nothing dramatic happened, and nothing earth-shattering happened. I wonder what they did with their stockpile of ammunition. Actually, maybe I don't want to know what they did with it, but uh, you don't know what the tomorrow's going to hold. And then September 11th, 2001, at 8.46 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, a plane slammed into the World Trade Center. Before the people in Hawaii even woke up, the entire world had changed in one moment. There were people who were waiting in airports around the world uh, and they couldn't get on a plane. There were airports who refused to let planes land that were in the air and they needed to get down. There were people traveling overseas who couldn't come back for months because everything shut down. And qualified oncologists who specialize in dealing with cancer told my brother-in-law three weeks ago that he would have three to six months. He's with the Lord now. We just don't know. I know a pastor from Albuquerque, New Mexico. In 1969, doctors told him he would just have weeks to live. In 1976, he was preaching at camp and I got saved. In 2010, I was at a preacher's thing up in the valley, and he was there. Yet we don't know. God knows. We don't. So you do not know what will happen tomorrow. So the only thing that makes sense is for you to trust and follow the one who does know, the one who has the answers. The one who knows the end from the beginning. We can trust him. He has numbered our days. He holds the power of life and death. And we can, should, and actually must trust and follow Jesus Christ. Second thing I want you to see here is there is no such thing as a sure thing. I remember watching the Olympic trials this year. And then watching some of the Olympic races. I enjoy watching races. Can't run in them anymore, but I still enjoy watching them. Road races. I'm not so big on car races. I told Jim Ricosi, who's a big NASCAR fan, I said, hey, when people run around in a circle, that's called sport. But when cars go around in a circle, that's called being lost. He doesn't agree with me, but... There is no such thing as a sure thing. And here at the Olympic trials, they're like, oh, this person's going to make the team. We're wondering about who the other two. And that person took fifth, and they didn't make the team. And in the Olympics, they're, oh, the final is going to be these four people will be in the final. And one of those races, only two of those four actually made it to the final. And the other were not people they were expecting. We just don't no. I took a pack of strawberries back to Safeway. Kathy bought some, and uh, they were rotten. The, we didn't realize. She looked at them but didn't see it, and 
then when she's taking strawberries out, there's gooey mess all over because, you know, you look around the outside of it, it was okay, but on the inside it wasn't. And so I took it back for her because time-wise it worked better for her. And while I was in line at the customer service, there was a guy who turned in lottery tickets and had her scan them, 10 of them. And they scanned and scanned and scanned and scanned and she said none of them were a winner. He said, oh, okay. And guess what he did? He bought 10 more. Yep. Oh, one of them's going to be a winner. There's no such thing as a good, as a sure thing. Sports are filled with stories of underdogs who win. In fact, there was a time in history when two opposing armies were in absolute agreement. Both of those armies thought that guy from Gath could not be beaten. There were the, the Israelites on one side, and there were the Philistines on the other side, and they thought the champion from Gath was unbeatable. And the armies were paralyzed for more than a month. They sat looking across each other, one on one hill, one on the other hill, and only one guy, well, two guys down in the valley, the champion from Gath and his shield bearer who was down there too. And that was it, and nobody else. And he was unbeatable till David walked out. And David said, you have defied the armies of the living God, and God's going to give me the ability to take you down. And God did exactly that. We should make plans, but we also must be aware of and we must consciously acknowledge that God is in charge of our plans. It was ironic. I'm going to read you a sentence that I wrote while I was preparing my memorial service for my brother-in-law. I did part of the service. His pastor did part of the service. We broke it up the way Dan uh, wanted the service to be. And in fact, we ended the service singing a song, uh, uh, you, I Can Only Imagine About What Heaven's Like. And, and then Dan wanted me to point out after that song was over that he said, you guys were sitting there imagining it while I was living it. And he's with the Lord. But while I was writing this and I was thinking about what a shock that my brother-in-law who had been in great health, had not had any medical problems, and now he's with the Lord. Of course, he doesn't have any medical problems anymore either, right? But I wrote this, you must prayerfully seek God's will before making plans, and then seek, I'm sorry, and then trust him when he interrupts or even cancels your dreams. You just trust him. You make plans. You, you invest, you make plans, you schedule times. Why, if, if we didn't have a plan for when our church would get together, if every week we had to call everybody and see what worked good for them, do you think we'd ever get together? Oh, we, we have a plan, and we're going to follow that plan as God provides. This morning, there's some who wanted to be here who can't be here, because God allowed things in their lives. But we plan. So there's no such thing as a sure thing. Third thing is that life on earth goes by all too quickly. You might look in that picture and wonder who that brown-haired guy is. Well, that was me. <laughs> I say was because that's not me anymore. 
But that's a picture of me with my oldest daughter, Jessica, and my dad, and my grandma, who's holding Jessica, and my great-grandma. And uh, that's a picture of us from a long time ago. Uh, I was in my uh, early 20s when that picture was taken. So it's been a few years, a couple scores of years almost. Uh, and, and, but you know what? Th there's three people in that picture who aren't on earth anymore. They're with the Lord. My great-grandmother went to be with the Lord in 87, 86, 87. I don't remember. I remember the year I was in in college. I graduated in 87 uh, after the Marine Corps. I went to Bible school. And, but I, uh, I don't remember which semester she passed away. And then my grandma passed away about uh, 10 years ago, nine years ago. And then 18 months ago, my dad passed away. And they're all with the Lord now. And you know, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. And yet, it happens. And, and young people think, man, waiting two minutes is a long time. And, and older people, you know, you look back, you say, well, that was 40 years ago. Wow, it seems like yesterday. How many of you go meet people you haven't seen for a while, and they have younger kids, and then you walk up and you see their kids, and their kids aren't here, they're here. And the next time you see them, they may be taller than you are. Isn't that weird? It seems to go so fast. Some days last forever. Some days are brutal and long. You think you're never going to get through this day. But the years just seem to slip by. Life on earth goes by too quickly. It feels like from our perspective, from God's perspective, it's not too quickly. But it feels like it. So... If you are 40 years old right now, then the Y2K was scare was more than half your life ago. Isn't that interesting? Most of today's college students have no memory of the September 11th terrorist attack. If you're in your 20s, then every president who served in your lifetime is still alive. If you're 61 or older, then most of the presidents who've served in your lifetime are gone. Yesterday, I left the youth retreat. I went up there for the memorial service. Dan's pastor was also participating. One of the, one of the verses Dan's pastor shared was uh, Ecclesiastes 7.2. Better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Not that we rejoice in death, but that we are aware of the fact that's how life on earth ends. Until the rapture happens, life on earth will end with a lot of funerals and memorial services. Your life on earth is temporary. Your body has an expiration date. Some of you are feeling it, right? You're feeling it's, it's getting close. But your body has an expiration date. I've had friends and family die from gunshot wounds, car and boating accidents, slow progressing illnesses, and fiercely fast cancers. But the same thing keeps happening. 
They live for a while, and they're gone. Some die without warning. Some see it coming. Each one experienced the end of their life on earth, and so will you, and so will I. So we should take it to heart. The living will take it to heart, that verse says. Those who follow the Lord are prepared for that day when your life on earth ends. My brother-in-law knew he was going to be with the Lord. He talked about what he wanted said at his memorial service. He wanted us to focus on Christ. He wanted his pastor to present the gospel. So if there was anyone there who had not yet trusted Christ, they would at least hear how to be saved and maybe trust Christ. And he wanted that to be part of the message. He knew it was coming. And so life on earth is going to go by quickly. You need to prepare and think about what will life be like when life on earth is over. Anticipate. Think about it. There are some people who will never make a will because they're afraid it's like uh, bad luck. If I make a will, then I acknowledge I might die. I've helped families in the process of dealing with death. And I, let me tell you, the ones who have made preparation, it's way easier on the people living. The ones who haven't made preparation, it's way more difficult. You should have a will. You should let somebody in your family know about it. You, if you have significant amount of money, you should have a trust. Have it set up so there's a transition of trust so that it goes to another living relative who can do it. Kathy and I, even on, on a, our, some of our accounts, we have one of our kids listed so that if we die, they can still pay the bills because... We don't want it to be stuck in probate forever. Uh, but make, just think about it. Now, the most important thing you need to think about life on earth ending is not how do I get money to my kids or how do I give money to the work of the Lord after I'm gone. No, the most important thing, do you know Jesus Christ? If you're not certain that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't know if today was that day for you, if you don't know that, then don't leave here today without asking somebody to show you how to be saved. Probably any person in this room could point you to the right people. Just ask, and they'll make sure you find somebody. They won't leave you hanging. You need to trust Christ. Life on earth goes by quickly. The description here is, it's a vapor. It's a vapor. Now, we don't really experience this much in Casa Grande, but if you live up north, then in the wintertime, when you go, this cloud of mist shows up, and then it vanishes away. It's there, and it's gone. And that's what the Bible says, it's, that's what your life is like. This part, this life on earth, is an itty-bitty little part. It's a small part of your eternal life when you're going to live with the Lord. But this part, this itty-bitty short life on earth, you trust Christ or not, where you are going to spend eternity is determined by what you and the Lord do in this little part of life. Trust him. Follow him. 
And a fourth thing, boasting about the future is evil. Boasting about the future is evil. Now, yesterday, or Friday, as we're setting stuff up for the youth retreat, one of our teenagers was bragging about he was going to win, conquer, and, and defeat everybody. And I pointed out that, man, that's a good sermon illustration for Sunday. All such boasting is evil. Stop and think about that for a minute. It doesn't say it's, it's ill-advised because you don't really know. It doesn't say, well, it's silly because you're clueless and only God knows. It says it's evil. That type of boasting is evil. Look back at the verses. He says, today or tomorrow, verse 13, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year, we'll buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that, van that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So I want to tell you, there's some trash talking that people do. People do before football games, before Awana Grand Prix cars. I don't think Christians should ever be trash talking. The Bible says it's evil. You need to think about that. You need to respond to that. When you make plans, you need to submit to the Lord. Lord willing, we're going to do this or that. Uh, people have made small investments in startup companies and become mega millionaires because of that small investment. Other people have made an investment in a significant company, a solid company, and that company then went bankrupt. We don't know. God knows. You need to yield to him, trust him, not your own skills, not your own plans. Don't brag about the future. Trust and follow the one who really knows about the future. Now, sometimes God can let you know about the future. I'm not sure how this works, but I know it does. God spoke to prophets and he told them exactly what he was going to do and it worked out. And I've experienced it in my own life. I remember years ago, we, I was pastoring in uh, Sawarita, and we had a, a, a guy in the church. His dad was in the hospital doing very poorly. He was in, on a respirator in intensive care. And uh, I went to visit him in the hospital. And it was the strangest thing. He was in ICU. Normally, to get into ICU, you've got to go through all kinds of hoops and everything, and sometimes glove up and mask up and gown up and all of that. And I walked up, and the door was open. And I walked to the desk, and there was no one around. So I walked down the hallway, and I found the right room, and I walked in, and I talked to Ray. And as I was talking to Ray, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that he wanted me to encourage Ray that he was going to get out of the hospital, he was going to go home, and he was going to be able to sit with his grandkids on his lap again because he loved his grandkids. And so I shared that with Ray because I was certain the Holy Spirit was revealing that. How did the Holy Spirit do that? I'm not sure. I just was confident that's what was happening. 
And so I told Ray that. I prayed with Ray, and then I left. I never saw a nurse, never saw a technician, never saw anybody but Ray. So then his son shows up at the hospital, and he says, the pastor told me I'm going home. What do you think his son thought? <laughs> He's going to be with the Lord. <laughs> so his son then asked the nurses and said, did my pastor come and visit my dad? And they said, no. <laughs> he asked the technicians, did you guys see my pastor here? No. Now he thinks his dad's hallucinating. <laughs> and so he calls me on the phone. He says, pastor, did you tell my dad he was going home? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, why'd you do that? I said, I'm at home in Sarita, out of the hospital, back in his house. He said, but he's doing terrible. He was scrawling the message on paper because he had a tube in his mouth. He couldn't speak. So he's scrawl scrawling it on, on a, not paper, but on a little whiteboard they had. Started saying chalkboard, that dates me. But a little whiteboard, he wrote it on there, and he showed his son, and, and the, it was real stress, and none of the people in the hospital knew I'd been there. Shame on them. It's intensive care. They're supposed to be on guard. We never went back. We never went in that hospital except to visit people. We didn't stay in there, praise the Lord. Uh, but as we walk through life, we realize that, um, okay, can you help her out, Brian? Just thanks. As we walk through life, um, we have to trust God with the future. And so what I was telling Ray and what I communicated to his son on the phone, that the Holy Spirit revealed this to me, and I was certain this is what was going to happen. And you know what? He was worse the next day. Oh, his son was really upset now. But the day after that, he was better. Less than three days from when I prayed with him in the hospital, he was sitting at home with his grandkid on his lap. He called me and said, guess where I am? I said, you're sitting at home with your grandkid on your lap. He said, how'd you know? I said, because that's why you're calling me. But you see, there are preachers who will boast about what God's going to do. God's going to heal your loved one. If the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, you can share that. But you can't give people false hope. And there are people that do that trying to get money. And what they do then, if it didn't happen, it's not their fault. It's because you didn't have enough faith. Now, we need to trust God and we need to let God be God. We need to yield to him. Don't brag about the future. Trust and follow the one who holds the future and who already knows the outcome. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. I think we started the service reading that verse. If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Now, uh, a friend told me once, it just feels creepy that we say, if the Lord wills. Because it, it sounds like you think you could die at any moment. And I said, yeah, that's kind of how life is. Well, that's so, so negative, so down. No, that's called reality. And we live with the reality 
that if the Lord wills, God will do this or that. Like last week, people were checking with my sister and his pastor and checking, when is the service going to be? And the answer was, we're planning for it to be Saturday at 3.30. And that's when it actually happened to be. But we didn't know till Saturday at 3.30 that it was actually going to be then. We just knew that's what we were planning for. Because sometimes things happen and change everything. Now look at verse 17. Therefore, when you see a therefore, you have to ask yourself, wherefore is the therefore, therefore, right? It's a summary. Because of all this stuff we've been talking about, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. It is a sin to not do the right thing. It's a sin. So, little kids, well, most of the very younger ones are over in the uh, children's church right now, but if you are supposed to say thank you for something and you don't, that's called sin. It's not just being a little bit rude or being impolite. It's called sin. If you know the right thing, if you know God would want you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and you haven't, that's sin. If you know the Lord wants you to give to His church, to give to the work of the Lord, and you're not doing that, it's sin. You know, if you're supposed to be in church when you can be in church and you just decide, you know, it's more comfortable to sit with my slippers on. Well, I guess you don't wear slippers in Arizona in the summertime, huh? Sitting in a comfy chair. If It's more comfortable to sit in a comfy chair than I'll just watch it at home when you could be here. It's okay to watch at home if you can't be here. We've done that. But if you can be here, it's way better to be here. As James taught in this passage, sins are not just doing bad, it's also a sin to not do something good, to not do the right thing. In this passage, these verses that preceded this, therefore, James taught that it's a sin not to pray, just as much as it's a sin to pray selfishly. He taught it's a sin not to submit to God. It's a sin to be judgmental. It's a sin to trash talk or to brag about the future. So he says, listen up. This is not just playing around. This is not just guys being goofy. It's sin. It's a sin to not do the right thing. So sometimes you're not even going to realize you've sinned. You're going to joke around and not even realize it was sin, and then later on you realize it was sin. Well, what do you do? You know what? God forgives those sins too. Just ask him to forgive you, and he will. But James says, hey, listen up. Focus. Pay attention. Come to now. He wants you to listen up, pay attention, listen, focus, and learn from God's word. Number six, following the Lord is not complicated. It's not complicated. All you have to do is the next right thing. So does God want you to be a missionary to Botswana? You don't know that yet. 
You just follow him, learn his word. He'll lead in your heart and life. If he calls you to be a missionary somewhere else, we're all missionaries where we live. We're all trying to reach our community with the gospel. That's part of why God has us here in this community. Uh, But you just follow him. You just take the next step. When our older son was uh, in pharmacy school, he called me on the phone. Actually, it was right, he was in the undergraduate program right before the doctoral program of pharmacy school. And he said, you know, Dad, I've always wanted to be a pharmacist. When he was, what, nine years old, I think he said he wanted to be a pharmacist. And now he is. He loves chemistry, which I find very weird. But (laughs) he loved, took lots of extra chemistry in college just for fun. And, uh, but he said, I, I never really prayed about it. I just wanted to do this. And so now here I am in college and I'm pursuing this. What if God wants me to do something else? And I said, well, if I were you, I would just say to God, God, listen, this is the desire that I've had for a long time. As far as I know, you put this desire here. If you did not, if you want me to do something different, I'm available for that. But you need to really let me know. Because right now, this is the only thing I know. And so I'm going to pursue this until you let me know otherwise. Well, he's now a managing pharmacist for one of the Walgreens up in Flagstaff. And most of the time, enjoying his job. Uh, I'm a pastor. Most of the time, I enjoy my job. Every now and then, I got some trouble with one of my coworkers. But no, No, the truth is, I, I love being a pastor. But I will tell you this. There are burdens for being a pastor, too. Kathy and I spent days praying for this couple um, in his church. Somebody was stirring up trouble. It's a heartache. It's a burden for this pastor. And we were praying for him. I called him on the phone to check and see how he was doing. He was so grateful for the call. And he said, I'm just exhausted. You know, it's, it's ironic that people expect churches to be perfect when they're filled with imperfect people. But just do the next right thing. Show kindness to people. Show a little love. Show some grace. Do the next right thing. Be responsible. If you're a kid and you live with your parents, follow their rules. If you're an adult living with your parents, Respect their house rules. Do the next right thing. If you live alone, don't argue with your roommate. That's scary. Okay? If you live with other people, show grace. They're not perfect. You know it because they're not in heaven yet. Show grace. And if you have really messed things up, all right, here's confession time. How many of you, at some point in your life, you know, we're talking way back when, you know, at some point in your life, you really mess things up. How many of you have experienced that? Yeah. And so what do you do? Well, you confess your sin to God, and then you trust in his forgiveness, and then you do the next right thing. It's not that complicated. Some days... It's hard to do that, but it's not hard physically. It's not hard mentally. It's hard emotionally, and we're supposed to let our spirit 
rule over our emotions to help us do the next right thing. So James wanted you to listen up. Can you pop up that listen up picture again? I just love that picture. Megan found it. I don't know where, but that was awesome. Listen up! How many of you parents felt like occasionally you needed a bullhorn to talk to your kids? Do you ever think God feels that way talking to his kids? Listen up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for the instruction from Scripture. We thank you for James and the transformation in his life from uh, before the crucifixion and resurrection. He didn't even follow you and he made fun of you. And, and then afterward, he became a solid leader in the early church. And we read about him in the book of Acts and, and how you used him greatly. And he said he was just a servant of Jesus. We want to be servants of Jesus. We want to follow him. I pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would strengthen us, undergird us. I pray for those who couldn't be here today that you would uh, raise them up, help them feel better, let them be back. Thank you for some who are here today who haven't been able to be here for a couple of weeks. And what a blessing that they're able to be back with us. Father, I thank you that in our lives, we can trust you for everything because you have our best interests at heart. And I thank you that we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We won't live there. We won't stay there. And we will get to the other side and be with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.